Well, today we continue in the narrative lectionary, uh, picking up a little further along than we were last week with the story of Samuel. And this is really a time when Israel is undergoing some significant change in leadership. As I said last week, they're moving from a, a tribal, loose affiliation of tribes into a monarchy, and Samuel is a, a linchpin in this, and one of the, uh, is the person who helps them make this shift. And so last week we heard about the call of Samuel and how he was called as a prophet to issue a, a word of challenge to the temple leadership at the time. And since then, um, he has grown into his role as a, a prophet and a leader. And the people of Israel have come to them and asked him uh, for a king. And both Samuel and God have said, you know, this is probably not a good idea, but the people have insisted we want a king. And uh, so God has said, okay, and God instructed Samuel to anoint Saul as the first king. Well, Saul turns out not to be a great king. He doesn't always listen to God and what God asks him to do. And so just before the passage we're going to read this morning, um, God has told Samuel to go and tell Saul that he has fallen out of favor and he will no longer be king. So Samuel delivers uh, this difficult word to Saul. And then where we pick up today is when God comes and calls Samuel to anoint a new king. This will be David. And so uh, what we're going to hear this morning is that call uh, for Samuel to go and anoint David. And then we're also going to hear uh, a portion of Psalm 51, which is a psalm attributed to David. And in this passage, both of these passages, we're going to hear a lot about the heart and how God looks upon the heart of God's people and God's leaders. And so we're going to be listening for how God is inviting us uh, to listen to our deepest hearts this morning. So let us listen for the word of God. Our first reading today is from 1 Samuel, chapter 16, verses 1 through 13. The Lord said to Samuel, How long will you grieve over Saul? I have rejected him from being king over Israel. Fill your horn with oil and set out. I will send you to Jesse the Bethlehemite, for I have provided for myself a king among his sons. Samuel said, How can I go? If Saul hears of it, he will kill me. And God said, Take a heifer with you and say, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Invite Jesse to the sacrifice, and I will show you what you shall do and you shall anoint for me the one whom I name to you. Samuel did what God commanded and came to Bethlehem. The elders of the city came to meet him trembling and said, Do you come peaceably? Samuel said, Peaceably. I have come to sacrifice to God. Sanctify yourselves and come with me to the sacrifice. And he sanctified Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. When they came, Samuel looked on Eliab and thought, Surely God's anointed is now before the Lord. But God said to Samuel, Do not look on his appearance or on the height of his stature, for I have rejected him. For God does not see as mortals see. They look on the outward appearance, but God looks on the heart. Then Jesse called Abinadab and made him pass before Samuel. Samuel said, Neither has God chosen this one. Then Jesse made Shammah pass by, and he said, Neither has God chosen this one. 
Jesse made seven of his sons pass before Samuel, and Samuel said to Jesse, God has not chosen any of these. Samuel said to Jesse, Are all your sons here? And Jesse said, There remains yet the youngest, but he is keeping the sheep. And Samuel said to Jesse, Send and bring him, for we will not sit down until he comes here. Jesse sent and brought him in. Now he was ruddy and had beautiful eyes and was handsome. The Lord said, Rise and anoint him, for this is the one. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers. And the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon David from that day forward. Samuel then set out and went to Ramah. The second reading is Psalm 51, verse 6, and verses 10 through 14. You desire truth in my inward being. Therefore teach me wisdom in my secret heart. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and put a new and right spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence, and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation, and sustain in me a willing spirit. Then I will teach transgressors your ways, and sinners will return to you. Deliver me from bloodshed, O God, O God of my salvation, and my tongue will sing aloud of your deliverance. This is the word of God for the people of God. Will you join me in prayer? O oh, gracious God, meet us in this time that we may open our hearts to you, that we may feel your call in the deepest part of our hearts this morning. We pray this in your name, O Christ. Amen. God does not see as mortals see. They look on outward appearance, but God looks on the heart. You desire truth in my inward being, therefore teach me wisdom in my secret heart. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and put a new and right spirit within me. How is it with our hearts this morning? How are we living out of that secret heart of our own uh, being? How is it that God is calling us to live in our lives this day? This morning, we're going to talk about our hearts, talk about the, the way that God looks at our hearts. But before we get there, I want to set a little context for us in terms of where we are uh, right now in our, in our world and in how we are being invited to live. As I have said numerous times before, we are in a liminal season. We are in a threshold season where the world and the systems and the routines and the identities that we've known them are, are shifting. They're falling away. And yet the new worlds and identities and systems are, are not yet here. And so we are straddling these sort of two worlds, one in, in the ways we've always done things and one in this yet-to-be-defined um, area. And um, 
there are ways in which we are living in liminal times all the time in our life. I mean, there are all kinds of liminal spaces. Uh, when we get a new job or when we move to a new place or when we become an empty nester. But what's interesting right now is that we are actually in a liminal era where it's not just our individual lives, but it is the whole globe. It is the whole church. It is the whole culture. Everything is under this shift. And um, while this is exciting, it's also very daunting because for those of us who have grown up um, or been trained to sort of know where we're supposed to be going and know how to get there, or those of us who are natural problem solvers, um, this is a hard time. It can be an overwhelming time because things like pandemic and injustice and climate change and just all the changes to our routines and our lives, there's no roadmap for this, right? There's no guide for this. And so um, we have to learn how to live and be in a different way. And that's where I think our text um, can be helpful for us this morning because it invites us to go back to our hearts, to go back to our God-given callings and um, to who God longs for us to be. Susan Beaumont, who uh, wrote this book, How to Lead When You Don't Know Where You're Going, Leading in the Liminal Season, which I have referenced numerous times and our council has read and uh, I've preached about, and I've also said you could call it how to live when you don't know where you're going, living in a liminal season. She writes about um, how we move through these liminal seasons, and one of the things that she says is there is a different kind of leadership and a different kind of living that's required. Um, she talks about this as living with presence. That is, we have to put aside um, the idea that we should know everything and know how to do everything and we just have to live present to the spirit present to our own sense of self and call and to trust that um, the path will emerge and she describes this uh, quite beautifully she says that um, 